Chapter Seventeen of Wolf the Saxon by George Alfred Henty. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. An attempt at assassination. When Wolf met the armourer next morning in the cathedral close, he was accompanied by Beorn, who said, laughing to the latter, "You have beaten me fairly, friend Ulred, and it is well that I had no wager with you on the race." but it was not by much for i rode in here as the bells were chiming eleven i was glad to hear from wolf when i roused him up that he had learnt all the news from you for indeed i was sore weary and was right pleased to wrap myself in my cloak and go straight to sleep instead of having to sit up for an hour expounding my story we have resolved in the first place ulred to say naught of this matter to the king began wolf he will have enough to occupy all his thoughts in the affairs of the kingdom and in the second place his nature is so open that he will refuse to believe in such villainy unless upon strong proof and of actual proof we have none beyond's appearance here will excite no surprise he will say that having naught in particular to occupy him he had ridden north to be at the wedding and finding that he was too late would at any rate ride back with the king with him and me and osgod ever on the watch Methinks there will be little fear of a surprise, and it is by surprise only that they can succeed. For Harold himself is a match for any four or five ordinary men, if he has but time to draw his sword. I will, however, on some excuse, have half a score of Harold's housecarls placed under my orders, and sleeping or waking the king shall never be a moment unguarded. I should not think it is likely that Fitzurse will have more than five or six men associated with him in such an enterprise. He would not take more into his confidence than he could help, and six would suffice as well as a score for a surprise, and that number could travel in disguise without exciting attention, while twenty would assuredly do so. Therefore I feel sure that we shall not have to deal with more than six, including the two leaders. Ulf, do you station yourself at the river bank and mark any vessels arriving? If the men come hither, they will probably do as you did, leave their ship at Hull and come up by a local trader. They would thus avoid all questions that might be asked if passing through the country on foot. And what is there for me to do, my lord Wolf? the armourer said. Frankly, I have gone so far in this matter that I would fain see it through. Of course we reckon upon you, Ulred. I have been talking it over with Beorn, and it seemed to us that the best thing for you will be to ride with Osgod. You can either make some slight change in your clothes and ride as a man of mine, or you can ride as Osgod's father, who, having come up here on matters connected with your business, have obtained permission to ride in my train with him. I will see that you have that permission. I care not how I go, so that I can be at hand if there is a blow to be struck for the king and in that case, Ulred, it were best you went as my man, for you would then have the entry of the houses where the king will stop, and can aid us in keeping guard. That will do well for me, Ulred replied. Ulf had best journey back as he came. He might go by ship after the king has left here. No, he shall travel with us. I will see the chamberlain who has charge of the arrangements of the journey, and will get leave for him to ride in the wagons with the servants. During the three days before the king left York, Ulf kept a vigilant watch over the boats that came up the river, but he could see nothing of the men he was searching for. Wolf had bought a horse for the armourer, 
and when they started the latter took his place by osgod's side while ulf was seated in one of the wagons the king rode with bishop wolfstan next to them rode the four thanes who had accompanied them through their journey and next to these wulf and beorn came on together behind came the queen's litter with a guard of housecarls the main body of whom rode just behind while the wagons and servants brought up the rear we need not trouble ourselves on the march beorn it is not while the king rides with so strong a following that the blow will be struck i see not when they can ever get a chance beorn said the king will stop always at religious houses and they will scarcely storm a convent to get at him they would not attempt to storm it beorn but they might enter it secretly but for my own part i think the most dangerous time is when he mounts or dismounts there is always a crowd assembled to see him and two or three reckless men might rush forward and stab him it would be at the cost of their own lives beorn objected it might be but they would reckon much on the confusion that would follow and might think so to get away they would probably have horses somewhere close at hand and might ride for the port where they had left their ship it is a great stake they are playing for and doubtless they are desperate men though they would know the danger they might calculate that some at least would escape to claim the reward then again they might manage to mingle with the servitors at one of the places where we stop this would not be difficult for many beside the usual establishment would be hired to aid in the preparations for the reception of the king that might be their safest plan for were he stabbed suddenly at a meal the assassins might very well escape in the confusion the first night they slept at a monastery at the village of bota the establishment was but a small one and could entertain only the king and queen with the thanes and their personal attendants the rest of the train were lodged in the village although they had little fear that an attack would be ventured in so quiet a village where the presence of strangers would at once attract attention wulf beorn and osgod kept watch in turns all night in the corridor the night passed without cause of alarm and the next day they rode to nottingham where they were lodged in the bishop's palace beorn and wulf agreed that this was the place where there was the greatest likelihood of an attack being made on harold's life the ship might have sailed up the river and landed her passengers a few miles from the town where among the number of country people who would flock in to obtain sight of the king no one would think of questioning strangers the armourer and ulf were charged to wander about the streets and to closely scan every face wulf had with some difficulty obtained from harold the command of twelve of the soldiers i have my reasons my lord king though i'd rather not state them i would remind you that i have shown that it is not my habit to take alarm lightly your brother gurth laughed at me when i begged to watch over his camp with my housecarls and i saved him from a sudden attack by the welsh thereby then you think that there is a danger of an attack upon me wulf i said not so my lord i have only begged you to appoint twelve of your men to obey my orders solely during your journey to london you should do as you like wulf the king said at last you have proved yourself brave as well as prudent before now and you are not given to vain fears therefore do as you please but let me know naught about it i shall have to receive the visits of all the thanes in the neighbourhood when i reach nottingham and the same in other towns there will be many persons coming in with petitions for the redress of grievances and i would not have my thoughts disturbed by other matters 
you shall know naught about it my lord wulf said it is like enough that nothing will come of the matter and none will be more glad than myself to find that i am mistaken orders accordingly had been given to the officer of the king's guard to hand over twelve of his men to wulf and the latter had begged him to choose twelve of his most intelligent men for this service as soon as they reached nottingham wulf took his small command aside you have been chosen he said for a special duty i have learned that there are disaffected men who may possibly make an attempt on the king's life you are to say no word of what i tell you to any one meet me over by that wall in half an hour after sunset gather quietly one by one so as to attract no attention you will be posted round the palace keep watch and ward during the night as soon as it is daylight half of you will lie down and sleep till midday and then be in readiness for fresh duty the others i will instruct as to where to hold themselves the king will remain here two days and watch must be kept over his safety night and day as soon as their apartments were assigned to the different guests wulf went outside and examined the windows of the rooms to be occupied by the king they were on the first floor and looked into a garden surrounded by a high wall at any rate there is little fear of successful surprise from this side wulf said to beorn who was with him it would need a ladder to scale the wall and this would have to be pulled up for them to descend in the garden and then carried across to mount to the window if we post ulred with two men here and let four others lie down near to change guard every two hours it will be ample for on an alarm being given the normans however numerous will see that their attempt must fail we can therefore send the other six to bed after supper is over for we cannot suppose that they would be so daring as to force their way into the palace at any other point as soon as it was dark ulred and six of the soldiers were placed in the garden the others were directed to hold themselves in readiness to take their post in the banqueting hall just before the bell sounded for supper wulf was told that a boy desired to speak to him at the gate he hurried out and as he expected saw ulf waiting there what news ulf hast seen walter fitzurse i have not seen him my lord but i am sure that i heard him speak there was a great crowd in the square after the king had entered and among those round me i heard one man speak to another in a foreign tongue and the voice was assuredly that of walter fitzurse it was but two or three words he said but having listened to him for well nigh half an hour that night by the river i am certain i was not mistaken in the voice close beside me were two cowled monks and i believe that it was one of them who spoke i looked round at the faces of the other men standing near but they all seemed honest countrymen or townfolk i should have followed the monks to see where they went but at that moment there was a rush among the crowd to see some mummers who had just commenced their antics and i was swept along by it and though i have been searching ever since and have so stared up into the cowls of monks that i have been cursed for an insolent boy many times i have not seen our man thanks ulf it is something to have learned that he is here as to his disguise he may by this time have changed it still i will be on my guard and will take care that no cowled monk approaches too closely to the king take your place here at the gate and watch all who come in and out and if you see aught suspicious send in a soldier whom i will place by your side to fetch me out one of the men was accordingly placed with the boy with orders to come to wolf whether at the table or in the king's room the moment ulf told him to do so 
when the others went into the banquet wulf posted two men just outside the door and placed the other three back against the wall nearest to the king's chair here standing against the arras they were concealed from the sight of the guests by the crowd of servitors passing to and fro stand with your hands on your daggers wolf said to them and watch every man who approaches the king no matter of what degree he may appear be ready to spring forward in an instant if you see his hand go to his dagger the bishop and king sat next to each other in the centre of the table on the dais on either side were the king's thanes abbots and other dignitaries of the church and the nobles of the country wolf and beorn had begged to be excused from supping and permission had readily been granted by the king as he knew that the bishop would be glad at having two extra seats at his disposal and they also standing back by the wall closely scrutinized the movements of the attendants it was a relief to them when supper was over and the bishop and his principal guests retired to a private room the five soldiers were then told that they would not be required until morning wolf went out to the gate and learned from ulf that he had seen no one enter whom he took for fitz Erse. he may have gone in by some other entrance my lord he said for there are three or four ways into the palace we shall be on watch inside ulf you need stay no longer be here in the morning at seven after the king and queen had retired to bed and the palace was quiet wolf beorn and osgod stole from their room and noiselessly passed along the corridors until they came to the king's apartment and then lay down across the door they were to keep watch in turns osgod being told to keep the first watch and to rouse wolf at midnight this he did and wolf lay for some time listening intently the corridor was faintly lit by two lamps one at either end wolf had chosen the middle watch because he thought that if any attempt was made it would be soon after midnight as the assassins would wish to have many hours of darkness in which to make their escape he knew that beorn was a sound sleeper and could scarcely be trusted to keep awake from midnight until four o'clock and that it were best he himself watched during that time half an hour passed and then he heard a very slight noise a moment later four figures appeared at the end of the corridor he dared not wake his companions for they might speak or move but he grasped his sword-hilt having drawn the blade in readiness when osgod woke him the men advanced stealthily and as they approached he saw they had drawn swords in their hands they paused a few paces away and in a whisper one said here are three fellows asleep what shall we do with them draw your daggers and stab them to the heart another replied each take one and do not bungle over it as you strike i will open the door and rush in now wulf had gathered his legs under him in readiness to spring to his feet as soon as he saw the figures and as they swiftly advanced he leapt up with a shout and crossed swords with the man nearest to him cut him down kill him it is too late to draw back now one of the men cried the others who had recalled a moment when wulf sprang up rushed at him just as he cut down the man he had first engaged cut them down and fly the one who had before given orders exclaimed lunging furiously at wulf easier said than done walter fitzurse wolf exclaimed as he parried a blow and dealt one in return it lighted on his opponent's shoulder but the blade shivered in his hand for it had fallen upon mail armour concealed under the norman's garment 
it is my turn now fitz urse exclaimed and raised his sword to strike a sweeping blow at wolf's head but before it could fall the latter leapt forward and caught the uplifted wrist the impetus of the spring throwing his opponent backwards while wolf fell heavily upon him and for a moment they rolled over and over but wolf was by far the most powerful and speedily got the upper hand he had not noticed that his opponent while holding his sword in his right hand had his dagger already drawn in his left the sword had flown from fitzurse's hand as he fell and wolf believing him to be powerless glanced round to see how the fray went with the others when the norman stabbed him deeply in the side before he could repeat the blow wolf snatched his own dagger from his girdle and buried it in the assassin's throat then he raised himself on his left hand it was but a matter of seconds since the fight had commenced but it was already over osgod had slain one man beorn was following a flying opponent down the corridor and harold sword in hand had just rushed from his chamber wolf saw no more but fell over insensible by the side of his adversary what is all this harold shouted as he turned to osgod the only figure standing raising his sword as he spoke for in the dim light he did not recognize him it means my lord there has been an attempt on your life i am osgod wolf's man i fear my brave young master is killed and he dropped on his knees by wolf's side by this time doors were opening all along the corridor and the king's thanes and other guests awakened by wolf's shout and the clashing of swords were pouring out armed with the first weapon they could snatch up bring lights harold shouted my life has been attempted and i fear that the brave thane of staining is killed the alarm spread fast and the palace so lately hushed and silent was now in an uproar while the bishop with many other ecclesiastics with servants retainers and men-at-arms mingled with the thanes keep all back harold cried let none approach these bodies until we have examined them torches were soon brought and harold seized one and bent over wulf's body is he dead his heart beats but feebly my lord osgod replied where is he hurt there is a great patch of blood here on his right side just over the hip i see no other sign of a wound we will carry him into my chamber the king said but no i forgot the queen is there we will take him into the room opposite it matters not whose it is now osgod aid me to lift him gently bishop i pray you send for the leeches most skilled in the treatment of sword wounds in the city then he and osgod carried wolf into the chamber opposite his own and laid him on a pallet now see to the staunching of the flow of the blood till the leeches arrive i must inquire into this matter who knows aught about it he asked as he went out into the corridor i do my lord king beorn replied as he pushed his way through the throng it was a plot to take your life wolf his man osgod and myself had no certain knowledge of it but we had cause for suspicion and therefore lay outside your door we were to take it in turns to watch wolf was on guard and as i awoke at his shout i saw him cut down that villain who lies there with a the cleft skull there were three others i fell upon one osgod took another while wolf engaged the man who seemed to be the leader wolf's sword broke but he closed with his opponent and they fell together osgod ran his man through and my opponent fled i could not catch him until he reached the door but as that was closed he could fly no further and i slew him there who and what are these men good beorn 
they are i believe normans but i know naught for certain beyond the fact that the leader he with whom wolf was engaged is walter fitz erse who was a page to the bishop william of london and was well known at the court exclamations of fury and indignation broke from those around with the cries of death to the normans harold raised his hand silence my friends let us be fair and just just as it becomes englishmen there are villains of all nations and it is not because four caitiffs have thought to do good service to their duke by getting rid of me that we should blame men who will abhor this crime as much as we can do first let us see if beorn is right as to this man hold a torch to his face it is fitzurse truly he was of knightly blood but has died in a most unknightly business wolf's dagger is still in his throat let us see if we know anything of the others i think that you will find them all strangers my lord beorn said i believe they came from beyond the sea to do this deed the man whom wolf had first slain was evidently by his dress a person of some rank the other was of inferior station as was also as it was found the man beorn had killed and now my lord bishop the king said calmly we have a right to ask you how these men came to be in your palace know you aught of them i know nothing of them the bishop replied so far as i am aware i have never seen any of their faces before and assuredly they were not here with my cognizance i will at once question all my people shrewdly and woe be to him who has admitted strangers here unknown to me at the time when you were beneath my roof and have this house searched from basement to roof bishop it may be that there are others in hiding with your permission my lord said beorn i will at once take your men of whom we have posted six under your window and will call up some more and search the town it is likely that there are others without with horses held in readiness for these assassins to escape do so beorn it will be well if we can catch some at least so that we can get to the bottom of this matter the bishop at once ordered his armed retainers to accompany beorn and then proceeded to interrogate his officials and the domestics and to see that the latter made a complete search of the palace all denied any knowledge of strangers having entered and the search revealed nothing but four monks gowns and hoods found wrapped in a bundle in a small room downstairs further questions have been then put some of the domestics remembered that four monks had entered the palace late in the evening and one of the under chamberlains said that he had seen them and they had told him that they had just arrived from flanders and craved permission to sleep in the palace for the night as they were going on to peterborough in the morning he had told them that this was impossible as he could give no permission without the leave of the bishop who was at present with the king and could not be disturbed and that moreover every room in the palace was occupied he had given them the address of a citizen who would he was sure take them in they had thanked him and said they would go there but doubtless instead of doing so they had slipped aside and had hidden themselves in the room where their gowns were found it was one used only for the storage of garments for poor travellers who came along and no one was likely to enter it on such an evening this discovery was a great relief to the bishop and all within the palace as it showed that they were not there with the connivance of any of the prelate's people before the matter was fully unravelled beorn returned they had in a quiet spot a short distance from the palace come upon two men with six horses 
before they could run up and seize them the two men had leapt into the saddles and galloped furiously away unfortunately the other four horses had followed and immediate pursuit was therefore impossible the house carls had run to the spot where their horses were stabled and had gone off in pursuit but Bjorn feared that the men would have far too great a start to be overtaken. One of the officers had ridden with the housecarls, and Bjorn had told him to keep by the river bank, as the men would assuredly make for a ship that was lying somewhere down the river, though whether at a distance of two miles or twenty he knew not. Long before Bjorn's return, Wolf's wound had been examined, ungents had been poured into it and bandages applied. The surgeons were of an opinion that it was a very grave one, but that at present they could not say how the matter would terminate. "'Your story will keep till morning, beyond the king said. It is still five hours to daylight, and we may as well retire to rest. Unless, indeed, you know that there are others engaged in the affair in London or elsewhere, who should be arrested before the news of the night's business reaches them.' "'I know of none such,' Beyond said, "'and I believe that these four and the two who have escaped were alone concerned in it. I will bring with me in the morning a man and a boy who know more than I do of the matter. They and Osgod, with whom Wolf will assuredly have talked it over, will be able to tell you all that was known up to the moment when these men entered the palace. The armourer and Ulf told their story in the morning, and Bjorn took Osgod's place by Wolf's bedside. While he too was questioned by the king, the latter then went to Wolf's chamber. "'What say the leeches this morning, Bjorn?' "'They are somewhat more hopeful, my lord. They say that his heart beats more strongly than it did last night. Osgod says that he has not moved or opened his eyes. But they say that this is not a bad sign, and that it may be anxiety has brought on an exhaustion, for his breathing is more like that of one who sleeps than of a man wounded to death.' his face has grievously changed since yesterday the king said sadly looking down upon wolf i would give my right hand rather than he should die you have of a surety saved my life among you beorn you and his stout man-at-arms and the worthy armourer and that shrewd apprentice of his for had they entered my chamber and taken me unawares they would have slain me without a doubt i have done the best i could since i learnt from the armourer the suspicion that wolf entertained but the whole thing is Wolf's doing. Had I heard that Walter Fitzurse was back in London, I should have given the matter no further thought than it was one Norman the more. It was, as he told me, some words that Baron de Burg said when he saw him over in Normandy the other day that first set him thinking. Then he could not understand why Fitzurse should return to London at this time, when Normans are not overwelcome there, and this caused him to have some sort of suspicion as to his reasons for undertaking such a journey, and determined to set a watch on the fellow's movements. Had it been any other than Wolf who had so acted, I should have laughed at his suspicions. But he is as a brother to me, and knowing how sharp are his wits, I am always well content to follow him without question. I first heard of the matter, after the discovery that the Norman was having secret meetings with some of his countrymen who were concealed on board a ship, and I at once felt sure that Wolf had not been running on a false trail, and so did the little I could to aid those who had the matter in hand. You have done well, Bjorn, though, as you say, it is doubtless Wolf to whom the chief credit is due. I regretted at first that the other two men had escaped, 
but had they been taken they might to save their own lives have implicated others and i might have been forced to lay a complaint against the duke of normandy as it is now the matter is at an end four men have tried to murder me and have been killed their bodies have been buried this morning and there is no more to be said about it i was obliged to go down and show myself to the people an hour since for they assembled in a great crowd clamouring to see me so that they might know i was safe i told them that while i thanked them for their loyal care there was naught to be alarmed about it was true there had been an attempt on my life by four men of whom the leader had a private grudge against me for a disservice i did him some years ago but that all had been killed by my guards without even penetrating my chamber and that i had run no sort of personal risk nor had i any reason whatever to suppose that the malefactors had accomplices either within or without the palace late in the evening when the surgeons were applying pungent salts to his nostrils wolf opened his eyes osgod was standing beside him holding on to one of his hands it is all well master he said we finish them all off and no harm has happened to the king you have been hurt but i hope you will soon be better the leeches say that you are not to talk and you had best sleep as much as you can they have got some stuff for you to drink here do you lie still and i will pour it between your lips a look of intelligence came into wolf's eyes as osgood spoke he smiled faintly and murmured thank god the king is safe he swallowed a few spoonfuls of the potion osgod held to his lips and then closing his eyes his regular breathing soon showed that he was asleep again on the following day the king proceeded on his way to london beyond remaining to nurse wolf the king would have loaded ulred with presents but the sturdy armourer refused to receive anything save a small gold cup in remembrance i want no reward for doing my duty he said i have my trade that keeps me and i should be no happier were i laden with money all that i have done in the matter has been to watch for a few hours at a window and to make a journey by ship to york and i should be ashamed of myself indeed if i could not take that slight trouble for my king without looking for a reward as to ulf he was thanked and praised but the king decided to take no steps to alter his condition until wolf should be well enough to be consulted in the matter it was a fortnight before the doctors were able to state with any confidence that the young thane was on the road towards recovery and still another month before he had gained sufficient strength to be carried in a litter to london End of chapter seventeen